Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for joining us today. We have a great episode about building stage confidence. But first, we have to give a big, big thank you to a new supporter, Natalie Gindle Lovejoy. She has theiritis because she loves the newsletter. She sent a very sweet message about loving the newsletter that made my week. And you can follow her on Instagram at Nat I Love Joy, probably pronounced Natty Love Joy, but that's how it's spelled Nat I Love Joy. Thank you for supporting the podcast and newsletter. If you want to love the newsletter like Natalie, subscribe to it on our website where you can also find info on supporting the podcast. There it is, pod.com for more details. Okay, on to today's episode. It is with previous guest and psychotherapist Amy Rowe. And I wanted to speak with her about this because she has unique insight on the topic. I want to help you the audience, build your stage confidence. So let's get right to it. Here's my chat with Amy Rowe. Thanks so much for being back, Amy Rowe. Pleasure to be back. Thanks for having me. Is there a more official title I should be giving you? Should I say like Dr. Amy Rowe or? No, I'm a mit. I'm, I'm Ms. I'm a, I'm a feminist <laughs> empowered Ms. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, so I'm not a doctoral level. Okay, okay. <laughs> Was it sure if there's anything along those lines that I needed to mention? I wanted to talk to you about this topic of confidence in performing for two reasons. Number one, you just mentioned you're a licensed therapist, but then also because you have a lot of confidence on stage, you exude a ton Do of I? confidence. I think so. Do you? <laughs> do you think so? I think. I mean, I think that's actually an interesting point. I do. But I think it came, there was a gap. When I first started performing, somebody made reference to me. This is an, I'm, I'm 39. Let's put it out there into the yeah, world. Hey, I'm going to be 40 in March. 40 is the let's new. Let's normalize 40. having an age. Oh, yeah. I love, I love my age. But just so people know, like I started improvising when I was like 22. And at some point in my 20s, somebody referred to me and they said, you are unflappable. I think it was TJ Mannix, actually. He was oh, like, yeah. you're unflappable. You are so solid and you you would come across this way. And at that time, when I got that feedback about myself, I didn't have a sense of myself oh, as coming across that way. You know, my internal sense was like, I'm just the lights are on and I'm doing it. <laughs> I didn't really have like a built out sense of how I was coming across. Now I see that in myself. Oh, interesting. You know, but it built. <laughs> yeah. There are a ton of people who I, I would imagine, I, I don't want to put words in her mouth. I was going to, as I mentioned off air, I was going to chat with Hannah Chase about this. And one of the mm -hmm. reasons I want to talk to her about this is because I think she has a lot of confidence on stage, but I bet yeah. if I, just knowing her as a person, I bet if I said that to her, she would also be like, oh, do I? <laughs> so it, it's a, <laughs> this confidence thing is kind of interesting because 
a lot of the people that I notice have a lot of confidence in their performance, it, like when they perform. They have a lot, so much stage presence, and so much of it is built off their stage confidence. They don't seem to know that they have confidence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think people have even, yeah. even been surprised when I said I'm not super confident, and they were like, "Huh, you're not confident?" Uh -huh. Like, no, why would yeah. I be? I feel like I'm making mistakes all the time when I perform. Uh huh. <laughs> so you you don't have that sense, or you you are coming to it? I maybe I'm coming to that stage, as you said, of building it, <laughs> of it being yep. something that's built. Mm -hmm. I. I I could see myself because I've had a good little moment the last few months with performing and like my team just got renewed. I just got added to a weekend team. Congrats. Those are confidence building Ooh, things. Wait, yeah. what weekend team? Are Friday night Friday show. Night? Yeah, you're That's on awesome. ADX now, right? I am on ADX. Yeah. Yeah. Congrats. I mean, kind of sad because I won't see you in the hallway. I do but, miss seeing uh, you. I do miss cool. seeing you. Yeah. Yeah. Leave a little treat there on Friday and I'll come claim it on Saturday. And then I don't know, we could write notes back and forth. Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> but yes, also, thank you. I don't want to disregard you saying awesome. Congrats. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. You know, it, th those situations are confidence building. And then also yeah. when people on other teams are like, oh, you all are so funny. I'm like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, I always, mm -hmm. I, I've received that better and better as time has gone on. Usually when people say it, I'm like, yeah, they are great. Like my, the rest of my team is pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> as a team, when we're in some, uh, you know, like assembled, we somehow have it. <laughs> it's, it's not the, it's not any of the individual parts though. It's like something that happens. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I think having a sense of confidence comes from a realistic experience of yourself and you need that feedback and you need to have trust in that feedback as being accurate you know like there's like this joke about going to see i don't know like you hear all kinds of like joking around about going to see somebody's show or going to see somebody's like one man show or whatever yeah. and then like and then you have to be so nice to the person afterwards or something you know things like this like you have to have confidence in the quality and type of the feedback that you're getting about your performance mm. in order for it to be meaningfully integrated into your sense of yourself right you know and that like what builds that is like trust overall trust in the person that it's coming from right as well as like the specificity of the feedback if people right. said to you like you know jason you're really incredible and you have this like profound stage presence and they also gave a piece of like a critique or something that was like a match for how you see yourself. Oh, yeah. That's like a key for that knowledge to be integrated into your self-concept because you're like, oh, something you're saying matches like my experience of myself. That's reliable intel that I'll take in. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, that's kind of like part of why if you feel really shitty about yourself and somebody's like, ooh, ooh rough show. You're 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 gonna be like, yeah, I know. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. Because it's it's like this match. Mm -hmm, like I would mm -hmm. call it in therapy world, like an epistemic match. Yeah. A stand-up told me once, it's like a working stand-up who's who's known, he was saying that you know what you want to do on stage. And if you didn't do it quite the way you wanted to, or not at all the way you wanted to, you're gonna notice that and you're gonna say, Ah, oh, it's not a good show. He's like, the president of the United States mm -hmm. could come up to you and say, That was a great show. And you'd be like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And there's some truth right. to that because 
while you're getting someone who, you know, is a big deal, maybe telling you, hey, that was a great show. If you did not do what you wanted to do, mm. then you are going to be a little off. But of course, what you want to do is not always the reasonable thing for you to want to do in a show sometimes, because you might think, oh, yeah. I want to do a big character and and crush it. And then you don't do that in the show because the show didn't give it to you. There wasn't an opportunity for you to do a big character like that just because of how the show unfolded. That doesn't mean you did a bad job, but some people will translate that into, ah, I didn't do well tonight because I didn't do what I wanted to do. Yeah. It does have a lot to do with like where your focus is. Right. If you're evaluating yourself according to a certain set of criteria, mm-hmm. not every mind and in fact, probably no other mind in the audience is evaluating according to that same criteria. And it has something to do with like how rigidly you and your own experience like adhere to what you like this sense yeah. of control as like a way to success yeah like i want to be the biggest character or like my goal in this set is to really like i don't know what what are some good goals that people go in like i want to work on my character or i want to be more grounded or i want this right. or one of that mm-hmm. you know as a means to being a good improviser or like as a tool right that i'm i can still be flexible with and be open to like feedback and be open to like surprise mm-hmm. improv relies on that more than anything else you know, it relies on flexibility and like relatability and ease. Otherwise, the audience is not going to enjoy it at all. Exactly. And that, and I think sometimes we can get a little too focused. Like, I think I said uh, something to Hannah once about having like a goal and then not doing it before a show. And she was saying like, yeah, that stuff is really good for practices. Like, I'm going to focus on <laughs> object work or I'm going to focus on this thing. You know, the show is just going to like you're just going to kind of revert to what your norm is. That's why it's better to do yes. practice, because then it has a better chance of becoming your norm. <laughs> true. Going to a totally true. And I thought that was a good point. Yeah, because it does. It does make you think like, oh, when I'm trying to hone something, that is something I should be doing in practice. That is something that I should be getting a lot of reps in. Whereas the show, you really need to be focusing on servicing the show servicing Mm -hmm. your teammates like that's really the important thing to do and if you're kind of in your head like oh i didn't do object work the way i wanted to here then you're not paying attention to what the set needs yeah i would agree with that i think what we're not talking about too is the audience we're kind of a little bit talking about them Mm -hmm. because you know we're talking about your other teammates are up there. For me, like part of it is delighting them as well. Yeah. Delighting yourself, delighting them. But when you're in a show, it's it's for the audience. Like yeah. you're creating art, you're creating something. So, you know, this question of like confidence and everything like almost needs to go out the window a little bit. Like it's it's not about you, babe. It's not about yeah. how good you think you did or anything right. else. It's about did you did you do something, you know, that was enjoyable and relatable and like left people feeling something that exactly. is exactly exactly that's such a good point that it is it's not about you like you're there you're getting something out of it and you want to continue to get something out of it and that's great but the work really is about the set and the fact that you are performing with people and for these people in the audience who paid to be there by yeah. the way <laughs> yeah. so maybe yeah they should be a part of this equation 
Mm-hmm. You know, it sort of reminds me of something I heard. I heard um about uh Will Ferrell going back to the Groundlings or whatever. I think it was the Groundlings that he trained at. And that there was some some guy there who was like, what do I need to do to get on SNL? And Will Ferrell was like, you need to be focusing on what's going on right now if you ever want to get on SNL. Mm-hmm. Because there aren't these like, like everyone who gets on SNL gets on there for a different reason. And if you are missing what you are, where you are right now, because you're thinking ahead, mm-hmm. you're going to miss it all. You're not going to get what you want. And I see a parallel with that story when it comes to going into a show with this preconceived notion of how exactly you want to crush it, because right. you're not going to be focusing on what's happening in the moment with that set, because everything... Yep that's happening is what you need to use. That's what you need to be focusing on when you distract yourself with, but I want to have this killer line that makes the whole crowd laugh. It's like, oh, you're probably not going to just because you're yeah. thinking about that. Yeah. It's a slight shift in focus. It's so well-intended to want to crush it mm-hmm. in a million ways to want that for yourself, to want that for the audience, to want that for your team. But it does take away some of the focus of just how you're being in mm-hmm. every single moment, which is like the pathway to creating anything in life. <laughs> right, right. And like when you said that Hannah was confident, I would agree with you. Hannah is confident. We're, we're talking about Hannah Chase. Left. Right. Yes. Previous guest, friend of the podcast. She is in my experience of her and I don't know her like like super well, but she's also just so solid yeah. in herself yeah. is my like strong sense of her. She has like very potent presence. Yes. It's not like a particularly loud presence, but it is very, very potent and like there. Yeah. She's a spark. And I think, yeah. And I think the way when you know yourself or when you have a solid foundation, the way you are in every moment is effective Mm -hmm. and like achieves your, your aim really well. And I, I, I agree with that. Like the more you start future tripping or thinking about if I do X, Y, and Z, then I will be successful. Then I will do this. And then I can feel good about myself once and for all. It can take you pretty far afield from the present moment, which is kind of the key to doing anything. Right. And I feel like this says a lot in a couple of ways about confidence. One is that there's almost like a, like, how do you set yourself up for having confidence and not having preconceived notions is kind of one way to do that because if you're going into a show expecting it to go one way and it's an improv show and there there is no script you don't know how it's going to go so it doesn't go the way you want that can hurt your confidence so let's preemptively deal with that it's like a good defense to hurting your confidence but then also i noticed that you know since this is entertainment and a lot of people who are going into this want more success in entertainment because Mm. maybe it's their chosen profession. They want a certain level of success a certain way. But the thing that I notice about the best performers that I've seen, they are confident beyond all that sort of stuff that we're talking about. They're not going in the show saying, I want to do this. They're not thinking about that. They are confident in a very quiet way. They're going on stage and they're being present. And they are paying Mm -hmm. attention and they're listening and they're doing what's coming natural to the moment. And that to me is what's really exuding from those confident players. It's not that they exude, oh, I'm so good at this, 
which is how we often talk about confidence. Mm-hmm. It's really just that they are not afraid about failing. Yeah. What do you have? What do you think about how failure and the fear of failure can affect people's confidence? The examples that you gave of somebody who's striving, somebody who's like, you know, put their professional strivings in the realm of entertainment, you've now attached to your performance on stage, your ability to support you to feed yourself. Maybe like, you know, have a family, like any aspiration that is linked to money now is riding on this moment for a lot of people, especially in American culture, like how we are at our job. Like there's a lot of self-esteem and like self-worth that's on the line. Relationships, friendships, like whether or not you're attractive and desirable, like all of these things are become so attached to this. I'm nodding and, throughout this because yeah. that's my experience. <laughs> <laughs> that's fully my experience. It's like, so when you talk about like fear of failure, it's like I think about what stakes get attached to it. Mm-hmm. If the stakes are, I'm not going to be able to like feed myself. I'm never going to be able to like have a family, and I'm I'm this and I'm that, and I'm never going to you know. Then my God, like I don't know how you could not be afraid of failing. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you know, every show is just a show. Like, it's important to, like, do quality work and, like, be assessing your work and, like, know that you're improving and stuff. But also a show is just a show. I think in improv, because it's not like we're making paintings that, like, last and are assigned, like, dollar values. It can be all the easier, I think, to get caught up in the moment and, like, really live and die on the feeling of a good show because nothing is permanent. Everything's, like, washed away. And we begin the battle of whether or not I'm going to have self-esteem today anew next Wednesday night at seven, <laughs> you know, or like whenever, you know, your megawatt slot or whatever. The fear of failure, I think it might be helpful if people interrogate what their fear of failure is about mm-hmm. and try to take some of the pressure off and decouple and like have a more realistic understanding of what it really means when your megawatt team is cut yeah. and what it really means if you bomb right. on a given Wednesday night because it can be painful Yeah, if it's tied up to everything else. Yeah. And I think that can even happen in other ways too where someone can just be so enamored. Like, you know, there are people I've seen who used to come to every single show and then they mm. got on a team and the team got cut and never saw them again. And I guess they were just so devastated by it that it yes. affected their ability to even just enjoy the theater that they love so much. You know, I'm not judging yeah. or criticizing. I'm just saying that's unfortunate. And I don't even know the full story on that. It just that's what it appears to be as an outsider. But I do think improv is a beautiful art form. I do. If people are doing that or if they're doing stand up or any sort of live performance that requires some level of confidence mm-hmm. i want them to get out of it the thing that made them want to do it to begin with yeah and i think all of this stuff that we can start putting on it as adults can get in the way of that so much and it just continues to affect our confidence it is yep. a weird thing to have to like find moments to separate it separate like yeah you know it is just a performance though it's one show yeah. You're not going to have a year of shows yeah. like this where, you know, like it's it's one thing if an agent's there, but there'll be other shows that agents are going to be at. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's go time. Sometimes it's the big show and you've really got to deliver. But it's not the end of the world. 
if this one thing doesn't work out, you know, yeah. like it's you're not. Yeah, you're not in Lauren Michaels office right now. It's OK. I was going to say show, Lauren you know? Michaels. Yeah, <laughs> I think people underestimate the value of like challenging themselves and developing grit in the face of failure as well. Like yeah. when you have a really shitty show. Mm -hmm. I remember I ran the marathon like so long ago. I ran the marathon nine years ago. Wow. And I remember when I was training for it that I was like, oh, my God, 90 percent of this is mental. And it's like yeah. it's up here yeah, that yeah. the training is happening in my head, like because you have to learn how to like be OK with and like press on uh -huh. when things are not going well. Right. And I don't I wonder if we do that. Like I've definitely have had coaches like after you do a show that's not so great, like try to, you know, soothe or give context to like what just happened and like uh -huh. where you go from here. But I also think that people like it when you fail, if you bomb or if like you have the big show and the big show doesn't go so well, like how important it is in developing resilience and developing confidence yeah. that you learn how to be okay with yourself in those moments. Right. Because like you mentioned people who leave the theater, what pain? Yeah. Uh, like I don't know everybody's story. But right. when I know people who've left the theater or who are like, I'm under, I'm not appreciated there. They just never liked me, you know. Yeah. All this stuff, what pain those people are in Yeah, to like cut off your left arm. Like, you know, you get so attached to this community right. and you're like, you know, I'm never coming back here again. Like to learn how to be like, okay, this artistic director doesn't really appreciate, you know, me or didn't find, didn't think there was a home for me this round of auditions or something. Mm -hmm. That hurts and yeah. I could still be okay and like really be okay. You will be yeah. such a better comedian. You're such a better performer if you have that. Yeah. Because it reads to everybody, puts everybody at ease when you have that. Yeah. I, I think we do have a fear of failure and a fear of criticism to the point where if someone says the slightest thing, like, oh, you know, like this little move, like that kind of note that I like that tone I just gave, that's not a judgmental, critical tone. But it's mm -hmm. it can be hard to give somebody or to receive that kind of tone even. When it's mm -hmm. when you're wrapped up in the fear of failure or the fear of doing something, quote unquote, wrong. Yeah, and there's a lot to unpack there that we don't have time to unpack. But there's there's obviously something built around that. So I like that you were saying when your team gets cut, looking at that for what it really is and not necessarily mm -hmm. the way your people are looking at it, because a lot of people do look at it as well, I guess I'm not good enough. And that's not it at all. Yeah. <laughs> There's something that yeah. people don't necessarily realize is really going on, which is something completely mm -hmm. separate to, than what people think about you, one person on the team. Yeah. And I guess I'm not good enough or I'm writing off this theater. I'll just go to the magnet because, you know, I'm writing off the magnet theater forever mm -hmm. Right. is really just like what that is about it is it is like the most self-protective thing yeah that person can do in that moment yeah because they are so hurt you know and what's sad about that is people then get cut off from opportunities to grow if you hang in there if yeah. you want to give the finger to a theater if you want to give the finger to a situation if you can hang in there and be like, what is this about? Like, you know, I loved this community two weeks ago. Like, what is this about? Right. Like, that is 
more learning than many levels of improv could ever teach you. Right. To learn how to hang in there. What are some proactive things people can do to build this kind of confidence that we're talking about? And, and it sounds like a lot of it is knowing what your thinking traps are, taking the time mm -hmm. to process something as what it really is. I would also imagine it's mm -hmm. sort of taking the oomph out of the blow when you get cut or when you have a bad show, because I've heard Stephen Colbert talk about learn to love the bomb. Like when you <laughs> when you do horrible at a show, <laughs> like sort of enjoy those moments when you are bombing on stage <laughs> because yeah. it'll help you be able to process. Well, why didn't that work? Whereas yeah. if you're afraid of it, you're just going to ignore it and move on and act like it didn't happen. So you don't grow as a performer and you don't grow your confidence. So what are yep. some other proactive things one can do? If you find yourself, like, I love what you said about Stephen Colbert, because like, if you love the bomb, then mm -hmm. you can approach the bomb with curiosity yeah. versus if you're so sad that that is interfering with your ability to grapple with it or you're so angry, which is like, I think more common, like they don't know that audience, like, yeah. you know, doesn't understand like my brilliance or something. Then you're even more blocked, I think, yeah. you know, from like being able to take note. So I think curiosity, how else could other people, like what are other people seeing? Like, why did they get there? You know, trying to stretch yourself into like this other perspective taking mode. I also think be honest with yourself and be really clear on like what your goals are. Why are yeah. you on Megawatt? What are yeah. you hoping to get out of this? Because mm -hmm. when you're down and out or you're feeling shat upon, like that's like your reason why, you know, are you here because you want to be a part of the community? Or are you here because you want to be on Saturday Night Live? Or are you here because you want to like, you know, I want approval? Be... Yeah. Yeah. When you know why you're doing what you're doing and like what is important with you, I think that can be a bit of a a true north for you and like help you stay resilient okay i really i'm doing this because i want more adult friends in my life mm. i bet i want to hang around here so what do i need to do to make that happen yeah right right you know i think those are good things to think about and to remind yourself of because i do know that the getting cast on a team and having great shows and being up on that stage even is intoxicating. The The feeling and the high mm. that you get from it is intoxicating totally. and people get so totally. focused on that and wanting that, that when it's taken from them for whatever reason, then it's suddenly like, how dare they? What are, you know, it's like, Oh, do you need a fix? Yeah. Like you said, uh, like mm -hmm. you have a problem, not that you wanted this for good intentions. So, yeah, it just sounds like processing what it is you really want, which a lot of people don't have a lot of practice in. They don't have a lot of practice in going, OK, where am I, though? But why? Why am I feeling this way? Yeah. And why yeah. does it matter to me? And then processing through that in a genuine and honest way. Yeah. Digging deeper. It sounds like some people need therapy. No. <laughs> therapy. <laughs> And They're... here's where I plug my business. <laughs> I know, like I'm marketing myself. <laughs> no, I did a long time ago read a book that was saying when you have a feeling, regardless of what the feeling is, just know that it's not morally good or morally bad. Like if you're angry, mm -hmm. if you're upset, mm -hmm. if you're hurt, if you're sad, like if you're happy, 
It's not morally right or morally wrong to feel those feelings. But why did you feel that? Why did this thing make you feel that? And, and mm -hmm. what about this? And and go back further than it's just, well, because they said this. It's like, yeah, but why did it matter to you that they said this? Exactly. Like, what does it yeah, trigger in you? And uh -huh. that made me realize a lot of our experiences, they have this surface level reaction that we hyper focus on. But there's mm -hmm. something deeper. And it's not even super deep necessarily. But sometimes it's like, well, I didn't like the way he said that because it reminds me of how kids treated me when I was in elementary school. It's like, that's the real thing. Yeah. It's not even yeah. about this person now. It's just about yeah. how crappy kids were to you in school. I understand that. And then you can just go like, oh, okay, well, never mind. <laughs> you, know, mm -hmm. you can get over these hurt feelings a lot easier when you do that. Totally. It's like there are no morally good or bad feelings. I will say this, though. There are some feelings that are going to, like, help you more than others. It's yeah. like if you linger in them or not. Yeah. And sometimes this is like a improv theater, but also it's like a human phenomenon. Like sometimes people will be maybe not getting cast on teams or not, like, included in a certain way. And they're perplexed. They're like, why is this happening to me? And sometimes it's like... In my head, I just, and I try f sometimes to find ways to say this, but it's like, you're kind of really negative about a lot of things all the time, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like, and it's really just like, you know, if you're responding to things as like, oh, that person doesn't like me and they're this and they're that. And they're like, that is like gonna alienate you. So like yeah. first order of business, if you're having that kind of experience, I think you've got to like, int maybe interrogate those the, fir the first, like, yeah. why am I, you know? Yeah. But I, I also agree with you, like, sometimes you'll be like, what's bothering you? And a person's first answer is like the external yeah, retelling of facts and events and people get caught up on how they were treated and what happened. But and that hurt my feelings is that is the real answer, you know, <laughs> yeah, or like, yeah. and I feel bad about myself and yeah. I don't feel like I'm any good anymore. Right. I miss being with my friends. Yeah. It was so fun getting together and like having people to hang out with. And now I don't see them because we're not rehearsing, like whatever it is, you know? Yeah. And once you get to that point, then you can go, oh, I just want to see them. Maybe I should just like schedule a hang. <laughs> yeah. Maybe people hang out for other reasons. <laughs> right. Other right. than improv rehearsals. Right. And if it's, that's one of the things I've heard a lot of Megawatt or artistic directors or house team directors, I should say, for people who are not at the magnet. But people who are on teams or casting teams, they will say being on a house team isn't the end all be all. Like the the mm -hmm. fun part really is the getting together. And that could be in classes, oh, yeah. that could be indie teams. So like set up a show. Like there are plenty of places you can just go to and say, like, hey, I want to do a monthly show or I want to do a weekly show. And just like set that up if you want to do it. You can just schedule a hang where you just rehearse every Monday or something yeah. like that. You can do that and you don't need this improv theater system for that. You don't you don't need yeah. that approval process just to have that fun that you want to have with your friends that you miss now. Yeah, but you know, it strikes me that pressure, like when you're relating to your improv team in that way, like when you love your team so much and you know it can be cut, like that's another one of those pressures yeah. that gets yeah, put yeah. on your show when you're like, I'm okay, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do the best object work of my life. Like, and I'm going <laughs> to like really leave it all on the line. Like part of what's attached to that is like, I, I want to keep hanging out with these people and seeing them. <laughs> yeah. And like in our culture, 
I don't know what it's like in other cultures. I'm like, you know, just an American for better or worse. But it's like we a group of grown ass adults will move shit around and prioritize one another and get together every Thursday night for an improv rehearsal. But like it's very rare or like trivia or something. But like, I don't know that very many of us like do that just for each other, like just for a group of friends. Right. Not under the heading or the banner of like a real activity, like quote unquote. Yeah. And I don't know why the fuck that would be, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I don't it's know. It's just like this random I'm no thing. better than it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah, no, I was saying to someone recently, like, improv is just rec league, you know? It's just, that's all, it's, people pay yeah. for rec league just like they pay for improv. People pay to learn to paint and, and then do that as a hobby. And it's just like, what are you going to do with this? Oh, it doesn't matter. I could do, like, you know, so many people, when, mm -hmm. if you tell them you're, you want to go into comedy, then it's like, oh, you want to be on SNL? But if you say you want to be a painter no one goes oh you want to get something up in the moma you know like no one says yeah. that strange you want to be in a moma team <laughs> right 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 yeah <laughs> so like and if someone says oh i want to i'm gonna go play basketball in this rec league no one's like oh you think you're gonna be in the Denver nuggets like nobody smart mm -hmm. says that to you with those other hobbies but they just do it for some yeah. reason with comedy and Stand-ups will do it to improvisers for paying for classes and stuff. And it's like, what do you think we're trying to do? Like it's this is not abnormal really in the grand scheme of things, but it's we're oh. super lucky that we get to do this here. It's like but what I have to say to that is like, what do you think this is? You know, <laughs> yeah, what is we the come world? to consciousness in our mother's arms, <laughs> and from there on out. You just make the best of it, the best you can. <laughs> right, like that's right. all anybody's doing. Like, yeah. With the time you, that you have, you have to like make enough money to feed yourself, and then like the time outside of that, like you do whatever the fuck you want. And I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we're all just doing our best. <laughs> like. <laughs> If I were to summarize, it seems like confidence is sort of recognizing where you are, what the truth is, and that it's okay. Yeah. When you like know yourself and you have a realistic sense of like what your assets and liabilities are like as a human being, nobody can come along and poke anything, like really poke much. If you were like not so great at something and you were like, you know, I feel really insecure about that. Somebody can't come up to you and point at that and ruin your day. You're right. Because you already know. You already know. And you're not your eyes it. on the prize and you're like, babe, I know. Like, I know <laughs> I'm not good at that thing. <laughs> and then also like tagging your performance to all these non-performance things really yeah. puts so much pressure on. And like when you're that anxious about like achievement of self-esteem, like that high that you can get on stage, if you're. If you're dependent on that fix to be okay in this world, if you are staking the success of a particular show or a particular team with your ability to succeed in this industry, then your anxiety is going to be through the roof. And that's not going to lead to like clear headedness and the ability to have presence and, you know, deliver to the best of your ability. There it is. Amy there Rowe. it is. 
Oh, do you have a There it is. <laughs> I forgot you do that on your shows. <laughs> we found it. Cool. Thanks so much for coming back and talking about it. Thanks so much for having me. It's always so fun to talk to you. Really great chat. I hope you got something out of that. I hope you find your confidence so you can shine bright on stage. And if you want to check out more about what Amy Rowe has to offer, go to amyrowe.com. We have a link to that in the bio. And also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at There It Is Pod, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at There It Is, and follow me on Twitter at Jason Far Jokes and Instagram at Jason Far Picks. Also, subscribe to our Comedy Lifestyle newsletter and support us if you can. We have a Patreon and a PayPal. Go to ThereItIsPod.com for newsletter and support info. Links in bio. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. (laughs) 